Hey guys, welcome to episode eight of What's Your Real Job podcast. I'm your host, Abby Stone. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie Sawaya. Today we're talking to dancer and choreographer, Gemma Craig. We're chatting about how kindness can be something that makes you stand out and recognizing when it's time to move on from something respectfully. Enjoy the show. Hi, Gemma. Hello. How are you going? I am so good. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Um, so I might just start off because Gemma and I have known each other for quite a long time. We have known each other. I don't can't even count how many years because I'm not good at maths. But um, since year ten, so we met each other in year ten at the Northern College of the Arts and Technology. And might I add, you were my very first friend there. And um, we kind of really clicked and we bonded because of our love for dancing. And we kind of grew up dancing together. Then I kind of moved on and I went into photography but we still connected and we still stayed friends and we did like early morning breakfast dates just to make sure we caught up and we always call each other and we miss each other on the phone but it's like no time passes each time we talk so it's awesome to be able to talk to you about dancing because I don't think we've really like we spoke about a lot, but not kind of specifically like what you do and um, the trials and tribulations that you face. Because I guess we've kind of faced a lot of similar things together, but it's nice to be able to go to in, in depth with it. Yeah, I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. Gemma, obviously I know you. You were um, at Steph's Hens with us, which was the first time I met you. But, yeah, like Steph said, we never really um, got the chance to talk about your dancing career. And when... I was writing out the questions for you, my questions. I found myself writing down quite a few because I was and still am obviously very interested in what you do because I don't actually know anybody else that is a professional dancer. And even when we were playing the hens, like I noticed that you work very active in your career. Um, And I think that's really something that is very commendable. So I guess the first question that I have for you is how old were you when you knew you wanted to pursue dancing professionally? Professionally, I think it kind of like that seed started around when I was in grade six, year seven, but I didn't kind of decide on taking it really seriously when I'm um, until I moved to Northern College of the Arts where I met Steph in year 10. So that's probably from then on. I was like, okay, I'm going to an art school. Kind of got to make this a thing now. So, yeah. Sorry, can I ask? Uh, it's just popped into my head that when we were at school, um, Do you think that your idea of your professional career changed throughout kind of year 10 to 12 and then when you actually went out into the industry? 100% because like I I really wasn't exposed to much of the industry. I had just grown up at a dance studio my whole life and then um, from doing work experience and then actually going on and doing professional studies, there was a lot I had to learn. It was kind of like a whole new world. So I don't really know what I expected um, because I didn't really have any expectations. So it definitely changed. I don't know what the initial idea of what I was going to do was. It was just kind of anything creative. I think that was the base of it all. That's really cool. And obviously anybody that is creative, something that we've spoken about quite often on the podcast is your idea of, of, and your expectation of what your career is going to be and where your career is going to go is something that changes over time very much. And that's obviously according to how your practice 
shapes who you are as well because it does change you as a person. And I'm curious to know how you would say dancing has shaped you. Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think... um, I think that dancing gives you a form of expression and really um, it's very heavily analytical uh, and very full on psychologically, which I think that people kind of forget because it is such a physical art form. So I think in that way, it's made me become very aware of myself, not only physically and physiologically, but psychologically and how I can get through obstacles um, using my using my mental and that doesn't make sense using my mind. (laughs) Um, but you know what I mean? So I think it's just given me a heightened awareness of lots of different aspects of my life that I probably wouldn't have if I didn't do dancing. That's such an interesting answer. And I really didn't expect that. That I, I mean, obviously you can't really expect any type of answer to that question, but yeah, I've never really associated the ways in which dancing as an art form can affect you psychologically have you found that you've ever had any kind of challenge or struggle with that yeah so I think probably the biggest one which um is pretty general for most dancers is the whole thing based around image not saying that every single job out there is image based but there are quite a few that it's a very heavy factor you can be the best dancer in the room but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the job so I've had a lot of struggles with that kind of comparing myself to other people going oh well my hair's not long enough and um my hair's not blonde maybe I should dye my hair blonde and you know going through a lot of things like that where it just really beats yourself up mentally and you kind of have to keep building yourself back up um, after those, you know, little failures. But I guess that's kind of what what gets you to your success eventually, whatever that success is defined as for you. Speaking of success, something that I'm really glad you said that and because I, I got really excited when you said that and that's because one thing that I like to ask all of our our guests is what their relationship with success is like and how you determine it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's kind of changed. I think at least where it's gotten me to now, I'm in this mental space that I look at myself more as an overall creative or artist or performer opposed to purely a dancer. Uh, so as long as I am doing anything within that and I am somewhat financially stable, for me, that's kind of my definition of success. Cause I think if it becomes too defined, sometimes like it might, was that me? Sorry. <laughs> um, I think if it, yeah, sometimes if it's too defined, like as a prime example for a dancer, I'm going to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson, you know, like that's a very specific, very tricky goal. And the reality is, is that you're not going to get that necessarily. So I think if you have a more general thing amongst that, it makes it a lot easier to feel positive about. And then anything specific is just kind of a bonus really. I think that's a good point. I think um, matching your success to your reality is a good way to put it because if you limit it you're limiting you know all the other potential things you can do and I think also for you um because I know you and because we've spoken about it so many times I think you were kind of like in one direction and then you were led off the track a little bit and you didn't think you were going to go there but you're like well I can't not take this opportunity so I think it's yeah it's really cool how you define that success. 
Absolutely. Because I think if you're not open to other opportunities, you might be closed minded and not see what comes, uh, what's, what's around the corner and what's waiting for you, which might not be exactly what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think it is very important as a creative to remain open to new pathways. That's something that I've jotted down on my notebook here because it's really true. And like for any anybody that's listening that might be a bit daunted by a new door opening because it might not be necessarily exactly what they expected. I think something that this year in particular has taught me as a creative is that you just sometimes have to let go of the wheel and and walk down those paths, see where they're going to take you. Obviously you have your boundaries and things that you can and you are entitled to say no to, but also don't be too closed off about, yeah, what new door is opening. I'd love to know what the greatest um, surprise was for you in terms of new pathways. So mine was probably um, this very specific show that I was in last year. Um, Steph came and saw it. It was a, let me see if I can get this right, a dance and circus theatre immersive horror experience. That was a bit of a mouthful. Um, But, yeah, it was called Mansion the Experience by Bass Fam Creative and it was a, I'm not a horror person, so that was a big thing. I don't watch horrors. And I was like, how is the universe allowing me to be in a horror thing as a demon demon little flower girl was what my character was. So that was kind of something very different and um, very strange and it's a very once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I definitely did not expect that, but it ended up being probably one of the best if not the best career experience I have had. I saw that on Instagram. I didn't know you at that stage, but I remember Steph, I was speaking to Steph about it. She's like, I'm going to see Gemma's show. And it looked so cool. If you ever do anything like that, you have to let me know, ever do it again, because um, that looked so incredible. As Yeah, as a performer, I've never seen anything immersive like that considered to be like, yeah, something that's for dancers. Obviously, I've been through like haunted houses and stuff, but this was like off its head, wasn't it? Like it, it was yeah. insane. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it looked. Yeah, it was like a story um, mixed in with dance and circus. So that's how it was told. But you walked through a mansion. So each chapter kind of unraveled in a new environment. So yeah, how, pretty different. How how did you come across that opportunity? So um, there's a graphic designer. He started out as a graphic designer and has kind of made his own company and now starts to produce shows. And a couple choreographers jumped on board that I knew of from my full-time studies. So I kind of knew about it through them, went and did the audition. I was like, let's see how this goes. And, you know, in the end it was successful. So I guess just social media, being aware of what was going on in the current industry. Cool. Um, and I, on that, I wanted to ask, because I think networking is really important in all creative industries and especially in dancing. Um, and I wanted to ask what, what can you tell emerging dancers, like how to get gigs or kind of what the sequence is to, if they want to, you know, get a lot of gigs and perform a lot, what kind of steps do they need to take? Um, yeah, I think, one of the most obvious ones and some people kind of skip over this is literally being a nice person and open and an open person as well. Like being okay to talk to people, like, 
you know, say hello and introduce yourself at the beginning of an open class or say thank you afterwards. Little things like that make a big difference and you can kind of be like the one or 2% that stands out to a choreographer or a teacher and they remember you in that one class because you said thank you. And, you know, who knows, they might be on an audition panel later on. So I think that's the thing as well and always being open that everyone you meet, whether they are an actual dancer or if they are a choreographer, a teacher, whatever they might However, they're connected in the industry. You never know where they're going to be and what they're going to want at some stage. So it's always nice to be open and listen to people's ideas and be supportive in any way that you can always. Yeah, cool. And do you recommend um, going and doing a full-time dance course? Yeah, if, if it's what um, is necessary for you. I don't think it's completely compulsory, Um, I know a lot of great dancers who have had a lot of great training at their studios beforehand and maybe already had built uh, network and connections with people who are currently in the industry through their studio. So I guess if you have those connections, then you don't necessarily need to. But if you're someone who's maybe trained really well but doesn't have the connections, then that's a good way to get it as well. Gemma, what would you like to accomplish as a dancer if there were zero restrictions? Zero restrictions. Are we talking specific, general or anything? Anything. So when I say restrictions, I don't mean like COVID restrictions. I mean like <laughs> like money's not an option, not an obstacle, uh, time, anything. What would be your ideal accomplishment as a dancer if you could have no bounds? Wow. I actually don't know if I have thought about this. A reason being of what we spoke about before about changing your idea of success. Mm. So... I guess shows is kind of the peak for a dancer, you know, and they are quite a special experience to work on something for so long and get very good at it. So, yeah, maybe a show, whether that's a, you know, a backup dancing kind of role with a musical artist or a show as in a theatre show, probably just anything like that that would enable me to focus on that for several months is a pretty cool opportunity and doesn't come around very often. So, Yeah, maybe that. So definitely something in the live field as opposed to maybe like being behind the scenes as a choreographer, you definitely see yourself ideally on a stage. Yes and no. I feel like Steph's like, yeah. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. I see you as both. Yeah, because yeah, I definitely like the creative aspect too, like, um, and I feel a strong connection with that and there have been times when I've been in that more creative director, choreographer role that I feel very comfortable and very kind of on it. So I would be totally open to doing something like that, like maybe choreographing a music video or creatively directing it or both. So, yeah. That's cool. I love that. I love yeah. that you said both. That's so... I feel like as a creative person, if you don't have ambition, like what's the point, you know? And it, it is it is important to have goals and specific things that you want to achieve, but being open to, like what we were saying before, being open to new things and and working towards them while taking things on, you know, on the side as well. And I just think it's so cool. I think your idea, I think your mindset as a creative person is really strong and I think because of that you will be successful in everything that you do. It's really cool. It's really cool to listen to you speak about it like that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I asked you this already, but I'd love to know what at this stage you consider to be your greatest achievement so far. 
I think it would have to be that mansion, the experience, um, just because it was so different. I know I'm never going to do anything like it. It really pushed me in a characteristic and storytelling way. I really had to dive deep and kind of become a bit more of a performer than just solely a, a dancer because it really did demand that. So, yeah, it was a lot of growth and it was also a very, um, what's the word? It, it was it was a very well done production. So walking in, there were times where it was very pinch me moments and yeah, I will be always grateful for those little, little moments like that. Can I ask, I know maybe I'm asking because I have a personal relationship with you, but I would love to know what your work-life balance looks like and how do you overcome some difficult um, and maybe negative things that being a creative um, kind of impacts your life because I know for a lot of us um, our creative world is very different to a nine-to-five job and a lot of us are working on weekends, late nights and things like that. So what does your work-life balance look like? So that's definitely something that has changed a lot and I'm going to thank COVID as well just for kind of um, pushing me in a different direction that I wouldn't necessarily have done before. But at least now, I think as all creatives, that's one of the biggest struggles we face is the fact that it's not nine to five. If you get a message, uh, you know, about a gig at 10 p.m., you're expected to respond straight away or at least quickly. And there are kind of those untold expectations and demands of the industry that kind of helps you uh, get work and be, in quotation marks, successful. Uh, So for me... To kind of not blur the lines as much between the other aspects of my life and my creative um, art form is to know when to say no or when it's okay to say no so it doesn't feed into your other aspects and take away from those. Or, or as well, just for your own mental health, you know, like as much as we love our art forms, it, it is a bit crazy if you spend all hours of the day every day you know, putting into that and nothing else and not, you know, spending time with family, spending time with friends or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is that you do. But definitely now I I think it is more balanced in the way that I have family time, friend time, work time. So I try and um, have days where I have completely off and where I'm not necessarily doing anything creative. And if I am, it's for a project of my own opposed to work. Um, I think it's really important to have those things to break it up a little bit so it doesn't all just become one big wave. I'm interested to know how you specifically measure your progress as a dancer. Yeah, so there's so many aspects with dance. Obviously, you have to work on flexibility, strength, mobility and range, but also like, you know, your own choreography and performance style. There's so many things and it can become very overwhelming so uh, for me, I, I sounds kind of lame, but, you know, I take photos and I take videos of myself and I'm always watching them back and trying to build upon that. Um, maybe I should have some sort of like strategic way to uh, assess my progress, but I, I don't. Um, just because as soon as I get too strategic with it and write down like a whole bunch of things, it makes me feel very overwhelmed. So as long as I'm consistently working towards something, I try and every day do something, whether that's, you know, a workout specific to dance or if it's technique training or if it's being creative and making up some choreography. I'm always trying to do something every day and those kind of little videos and photos here and there 
help me see that progress and see what I need to work on. And can I just say, I, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think as well, you've really progressed um, from the kind of things that you do say yes to and that you move on from. So I know I'm not going to point it out specifically, but I know that you've um, kind of outgrown some things in your dance career and you've, as hard as it has been for you, you've known that it's time to move on and take the next step. So can you touch on that a little bit and how you've um, kind of measured how you've progressed and outgrown from those things? Yeah. So I think, I mean, everyone um, sometimes feels like an environment might not be the complete right thing for them anymore, even if it's still giving you something. I, I think if it's not giving you everything that it was before and it's not kind of pushing you in a new direction or a direction that you want to do, go, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just that it's not right for you at that point in time. So um, taking what so in my, in my experience, I have taken what I have from those places and kind of taken that with me somewhere else respectfully, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, really it, cool. everything you just said, I was like sitting here and my eyes were like widening because everything you said is so relevant to me in almost every aspect of my life right now. It was like exactly the words I needed to hear. And I'm so glad, Steph, you brought up this concept of outgrowing things um, because, yeah, even as individuals, maybe even in our personal lives as well as our careers, it's something that you will face. And what you just said, Gemma, about it not necessarily being a bad thing and being able to have the ability to take what you've learned and move on respectfully is something that I really needed to hear today. So thanks for saying that. And I hope our listeners take something from that because I think that is such an important lesson in life. And I'm just really grateful that you shared that. So thank you. Um, touching on a bit of a on a bit of a lighter note. When I was uh, writing out your questions the other day, I was Googling, you know, questions to ask a dancer um, and just doing some research on dancing in general. And I came across this hilarious BuzzFeed quiz that was what style of dance describes your personality. Anyway, I did the quiz and I got contemporary. <laughs> so I thought I would ask you personally what style of dance you would use to describe your personality. Yeah, I think it's going to be like not my main style. I feel like I'm quite energetic as a person. So I feel like jazz kind of goes with that, even though I wouldn't classify myself as a jazz dancer. No, that's like, I, yeah, I feel like if my personality was transferred into a dance form, it would be very like, bah, bah. so I think it has to be jazz. <laughs> well, Steph, what about you? What would you say yours is? Um, I would say lyrical hip hop personally. Ooh, I, I think I'm like, I kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I sit in the flow of life and I feel like that's what lyrical hip hop is about. I'm sitting in the flow and I kind of feel like I do this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. For anyone yeah. that wants to do that quiz, maybe we'll put the link in the show notes and you can come and let us know what personality, uh, oh, sorry, what dance style your personality is most like. That's so funny. I think, um, when I got my result, I, I texted you, Steph, and I was like, I got contemporary as my dance style. I think it's because I'm old and slow. It could mean that you're modern and innovative. Oh, oh I'm definitely not. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love that. I'm out of questions. Steph, do you have any more questions? Um, well, I think my question is something that we've spoken about a lot. And I think it's in terms of, um, high schools and dancing at high schools. I think that, um, growing up at, uh, you know, I'm, I feel really blessed that we grew up and got to experience, um, the Northern College of the Arts because it did open my eyes to a lot of things, but then kind of leaving high school. And I think you as well, we got opened up to even more and we realized actually how little we got opened up to in high school and how maybe things are a little bit behind in terms of kind of everything in the arts. And I think it could be due to teachers kind of maybe not updating their awareness of um, new art practices or new things in the art world. So if you could give advice to a high school student or a high school teacher on how to be a little bit more modern in the things that they teach or the way that they view the outside um, dance world, what would you suggest and what would you give them? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of seen firsthand coming in as a workshop teacher at like a different variety of schools, but I think the key is like obviously in high schools you're teaching maybe vet dance or VCE dance, which is really great, but also understanding how that terminology and what the content that you're learning, how that transfers across into an industry environment, because a lot of a lot of uh, other subjects do do that. They have a clear direction and how it goes to university, so it shouldn't be any difference for dance, even though it might not be specifically university, because that's only one kind of aspect of dance that you can follow. So I think, yeah, understanding how that fits into the industry, how it fits into full-time studies as well as university dance studies and kind of opening that door up for um, students because I I think a lot of students just get scared off by art careers. So they just don't ever follow them or they don't get to see what's out there and for someone to literally go, hey, this is what is the jobs that are out there and this is how you can maybe get there and this is this, this is this. Like they don't quite get that information a lot of the time. So I think, yeah, having that bridge but also staying relevant and like going and seeing shows. So, you know, seeing what people are working on and working towards and that maybe what your students will work towards. So, yeah, being being in the know. Yeah, based on based on what you just said about, yeah, that information about jobs in your field not being that easily disclosed, I guess. Um, I'm curious to know, have you ever been told to get a real job or asked, like, well, yeah, but what's your real job? Because that's exactly what this whole podcast is about. So when when I was thinking about coming, um, well, not when I was thinking of coming on, when Steph had asked me to be on this, I had already kind of thought of that. So not that I was told that specifically, but I have a very uh, clear thing of in school, uh, we had lots of people who were coming to be like, uh, ha- had interviews at the school to check out what it was like. And I remember specifically the principal pulling me out of class at the time and speaking to these people as a fellow dancer. And she blatantly told them that I was 
on a scholarship to go to Deakin University to study dance when I was actually already enrolled in full-time dance at Cali Acres and she did know that. So it's like because it wasn't actually university, it wasn't enough for her. And it was disappointing to say otherwise, even though my route maybe have been more specific to the industry. But she kind of, yeah, that didn't matter for her. And that was a really kind of soul crushing moment. Like I will never forget that because of how kind of emotional it was for me. So that's probably my example of what's your real job. Oh, that's horrible. So they just put you on the spot and and tried to make what you were doing relevant to like specific higher education. Is that right? Yeah, well, to these people who were coming in and looking at the school for themselves. So I kind of just had to sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to Deakin. Oh. I'm studying there. And it was just very weird. Oh, high school is rough sometimes, eh? Yeah, fun, fun times. Yeah. Well, thank you, Gemma, so much for joining us today. I feel like this interview just went like that, like... I had a whole page of questions and I feel like I burned through them so quickly because everything you've said is so interesting. So thank you very much for joining us. If you want any of Gemma's information, it will be in our show notes as well as all her social media links so you can keep up with what she's doing. Gemma, you're going to have to let me know if you do anything that we can come and see as soon as restrictions lift because I'm keen. I'm so keen to come I see hundred percent and same goes, same goes. Yeah, we'll do. I'm so keen to perform again. Oh God so over this but thank you guys so much for tuning in uh we'll see you next week as usual all of our information will be in the show notes with our email address if you have any questions comments or inquiries please feel free to send them through um and also if you want to jump on apple Podcasts and give us a review and a rating that would be amazing too we've also got some new merch that we've just put out so jump on and have a look at what we're up to thank you guys so much for your time thanks Bye. bye